0: Well, over at the Da Vinci Science Center, uh, they have a tunnel. Uh, You can crawl through that tunnel and its various twists and turns. Uh, You can do it with the light on, or you can do it with the light off. And I think the aim is to help kids uh, understand how their senses adjust to the darkness. Uh, I have to say, crawling through in the dark can feel a little bit scary. Uh, Or at the very least, the pitch black is disconcerting. Uh, In truth, life itself can be like that. On a smaller scale, we are in the dark about something God has allowed in our lives. Or on a grander scale, we feel confused about the big questions of life. Who am I? Uh, Why am I here? What should I do with my life? Uh, Those questions can haunt us when we're young, but in in my experience, they can come back with a vengeance later, often in midlife. Uh, Life can feel like crawling through a dark tunnel, uh, certainly. And and that is how it must have felt for this man that we meet here in John chapter 4. This is a man who was used to being in control. We're told that he was an important man, a royal official. He was used to people walking to the beat of his drum. He had a firm grip on life, but then everything fell apart in a moment. His beloved son fell sick. I don't know what happened. Maybe his dad went to wake him up for school one morning and found him there in his bed, unresponsive. And so they rushed him to the ER. Uh, But as he was there, it turned out there was nothing they could do. They couldn't figure out what was wrong. Uh, And he continued to decline, as we read in verse 47, uh, he was about to die. It's more tragic than we care to imagine, isn't it? Uh, Here is this man, confidently making his way through life, but then uh, something uh, went and turned out the lights on him. In fact, it reminds me of a, a woman that I knew when I served up in Connecticut. Uh, We used to live in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is a very wealthy place. Uh, This particular friend had her house on the market. It was listed for $32 million. Uh, Now, you might have envied her. Uh, That is until she discovered that she had cancer. Uh, Life has a way of doing this, doesn't it? It doesn't matter how wealthy and powerful you are. Uh, We can be shaken and reminded that we aren't in control. Uh, The darkness can fall upon us in a moment. And the question is, how are we to navigate this, especially as followers of Jesus Christ? If you've been a Christian for a while, then, then it's possible a particular verse of the Bible springs to mind in answer to that question. This is a verse I was taught very early on as a young believer, Second Corinthians 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, We walk by faith, not by sight, and and that's so true. That is often how we must live. Uh, We can't judge the world by what we see. We have to go on what God says to us here in the Scriptures. Uh, And in fact, that really is the main point of our text today. Uh, These verses are all about faith, but what is faith? Uh, What does it mean to put our faith in Christ? And that is far from a hypothetical question. It's a question that touches every area of our lives. It concerns how we understand and respond to our everyday experiences. You see, if we rely only on what we can see with our eyes, then at, very, at the very best, our faith will be very fragile. In fact, we walk by faith, not by sight. And to help us see that, we're going to consider two big points in our passage this morning. Uh, firstly, we'll think about fragile faith. Fragile faith. Uh, Fragile faith is faith that looks at what it can see. And then secondly, uh, we'll think about firm faith. Firm faith is faith that listens to what Jesus says. Uh, Fragile faith looks only to what it can see, whereas firm faith listens to what Jesus says. And so let's spend a few moments unpacking those two kinds of faith, shall we? Uh, Firstly, let's think about fragile faith. Uh, Fragile faith looks to what it can see. In other words, the primary organ of fragile faith is the eyes. Uh, And the key point is this. If we judge things only with our eyes, if we only look to what we can see at the very best, our faith is going to be very weak. Uh, We won't have any sense of confidence, any sense of assurance as we face the ups and downs of life. Uh, This kind of faith keeps us in the dark. Uh, Now, this kind of fragile faith has a catchphrase. Do you know what it is? Uh, This is it. Seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. Uh, Now, there is some truth to that phrase, we should say. It helps us understand the true nature of faith in this sense. It shows us what faith does not mean. Faith does not mean believing things for which we have no evidence. Let me say that again because I think it's really important. Faith does not mean believing things for which we have no evidence. Unfortunately, that is one of the ways that the word faith has come to be used in our culture. In fact, one of the dictionary definitions is this, belief that is not based on proof. And now, if that is true, surely the strongest kind of faith would be this, a faith that believes something despite evidence to the contrary. I believe that I'm flying. Such strong faith, when very clearly I'm just standing here on earth. Uh, now, that kind of faith has another name. Uh, it's not a flattering one. We call it delusion. Uh, at very best, it's wishful thinking. But that is not what the Bible means by faith. No, biblical faith isn't faith without facts. It's faith with facts, but the big question is, what facts? Which facts? We're all going to believe something, but on what basis? And this first kind of faith, this fragile faith, answers in this way. Uh, We should base our faith on what we see, or perhaps more broadly, on what we experience. And now, before we get too far into this, let me demonstrate that this is something we see in our text. It's there most clearly in verse 48. I mean, here comes this desperate man looking for Jesus to heal his son, but but did you notice Jesus' initial response seems like a rebuke? It's there in verse 38, uh, sorry, 48. Look at verse 48 with me of John chapter 4. Uh, So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now the you there is plural. This is not really about one man. Uh, Jesus is rebuking an attitude that is prevalent then, and we have to say that's just as prevalent today. In fact, one translation, the one that Alice read, translates it so well. Uh, Unless you people see signs and wonders you will never believe. You get a sense of the frustration there in the ministry of Jesus Christ, don't you? Uh, don't you? you see, uh, he's addressing people who only believe what they see. Uh, your faith is based on facts, yes, but, but a very particular set of facts. You demand proof in terms of flashy miracles. In fact, that's exactly what we see just a few verses earlier. Let me drive this point home. Look at verses 43 through 45. I think in those verses, we have to say, it just seems a little bit confusing at first. In verse 43, we read, Jesus, well, firstly, he's just been ministering in Samaria, and now after the two days, Jesus departed for Galilee. Then we read in verse 44, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. Now, the hometown there has to, be, uh, has to be the region of Galilee, where Jesus is about to go. I mean, this is where he was raised. This is where he grew up. Uh, and yet, if, no prophet, if a prophet has no honor there, well, look at what we read in verse 45. And so he came to Galilee, and the Galileans welcomed him. Uh, they welcomed him. That sounds like honor to me. Uh, so how can Jesus say that he's not being treated with honor? Well, we have to ask, why? Why did they welcome him? And this is where the rubber hits the road. They welcomed him because they had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem. Uh, They welcomed him only because of what they saw. That is, they welcomed him on the basis of his miracles. And we've seen this before back in John chapter 2. In fact, turn with me to John chapter 2 and look down at verse 23. John chapter 2, verse 23 this verse almost acts kind of a, a, a as a bracket uh, to the conversations that we saw with Nicodemus and the woman of Samaria, and on either sides, we, either side, we get this idea of, of faith, believing in what we see. Uh, John uh, chapter two verse twenty three. Uh, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. You have to say, isn't that amazing? All these people coming to faith. And they believed because of what they saw, but. Is this the response Jesus is looking for? No, read on, verse 24. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. And for the same reason, now as this man comes uh, looking for healing from him, what does he say? Uh, Look, he says, this is typical of you people. You believe only if there's a sign, only if you have enough evidence, and, and not just any evidence, evidence that meets your standard based on your own personal experience. Uh, This is what I'm talking about, faith only in what you can see. And we have to say this idea of believing what you can see is something that is common. It's common amongst Christians, but it's also uh, common amongst those who are not Christians. In fact, is this not one of the very reasons that many people are not Christians at all? You believe in God, yes, but I believe only in what I can see. And maybe that's you. In In fact, maybe you'd even go further. Uh, you would say the things that you have seen seem to stack up against Christianity. All of the suffering in the world, all of the evil in the church, all of the ways that science seems to have disproved certain things about Christianity. Or maybe it's more personal than that. Uh, maybe your doubts are based on your own personal experience that's been incredibly painful. Uh, and I have to say, I am not, uh, I repeat, not in any way discounting those things. They are certainly true. You have seen them with your own two eyes, and there is no reason to question them. But here is the question. Is that all there is? Is that all we have to go on? If it is, then I suggest you may well be justified in rejecting Jesus Christ, because faith, based only on what we see, is at best incredibly fragile. Uh, We could even take this in a philosophical direction, I think. Uh, What I'm saying here actually relates to the whole realm of what philosophers call epistemology. Now, epistemology, it sounds like a painful medical procedure, I know, but uh, epistemology is the theory of how we know things. Can we know anything at all, and if so, how? And now it's an interesting question. It's not one that most of us uh, stay up at night worrying about, and it's one that if we consider it, we'll want to make sure that we're loaded up with coffee. Coffee. And speaking of that, I was at an apologetics conference just this last week, and uh, they were talking about it a lot, and my caffeine intake went up appropriately. <laughs> and now a lot of it went over my head, but there was one talk that I loved, and I've told some of you about it. Uh, it was about something that is known as simulation theory. Simulation theory. Now, many people are suggesting this, that the world in which we live truly is the matrix, if you've seen the movie. Now, it sounds far-fetched, but this is gaining traction. Uh, I mean, what we're living in right now, we're told, is not real at all. It is a simulation. It's it's a complex video game produced by some later, greater, post-human civilization. Uh, That might sound crazy to you, but but believe me, it's actually, I think, emerging as a a prevalent view. I think Elon Musk now uh, has come to agree with this. Uh, I'm guessing we'll encounter this more and more when we speak with our non-Christian colleagues or friends or neighbors. After all, this is a theory that claims to be based on science. This isn't just speculation, it's based on real evidence, empirical evidence, scientific calculations. I mean, think for a moment about the advances that have been made in CGI over the years. I mean, surely in a few decades, simulations will be indistinguishable from reality. And if that is true, surely it's likely, perhaps even probable, that this, is a simulation. At very best, we cannot be sure, can we? Now what I loved about this lecture at the conference, I'd be happy to send you the link, uh, is that the speaker systematically tore apart the entire theory. Uh, And one of the points he made was this. If we live in a simulation, well, we can't trust what we see at all, can we? And so the supposed evidence for that theory means nothing at all. Science itself becomes just a worthless formality. Now, this is pretty heady stuff, but the point is this. Philosophy, both ancient and modern, leads to this same conclusion. If you only trust what you can see, that will eventually lead you to a place where you can't trust anything at all. You're going to end up soaring off the very branch you're sitting on. The whole theory of, of knowing anything is just going to collapse into abject skepticism. And philosophical discussions aside, is that not what we find in, what we find in life as well? I mean, just think, whenever we seek to rest our faith only on what we see, what we experience, it just doesn't work, does it? I mean, it could be a good experience. Uh, maybe a mountaintop experience that you had at some Christian camp or some Christian conference. Uh, God just seemed so real to you at those times, but then, then you return back home and just come crashing down to earth or it could be a bad experience you've had, suffering, sickness, sin. Uh, you want to trust God, but, but, but based on what you see, experience is, is screaming at you that, that God does not love you. Uh, to believe only in what you see is fragile faith at best, isn't it? And in fact, we discover at times it, it turns out to be no faith at all, doesn't it? Over the years, this I've seen this far too many times. When trials or temptations come, many people walk away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And here we discover why, here in John chapter 4. I mean, it appears that these people in Galilee welcomed Christ with joy, but they did so only because of what they saw, only because they had some kind of religious experience. But did they? Do we actually trust him? I mean, that's the point of the signs, isn't it? The point of the signs is to lead us to him. But that brings us to the second point, doesn't it? If fragile faith only looks to what it sees, uh, what do we discover here about firm faith? Uh, We might even say true faith for the Christian believer. Uh, Well, if fragile faith looks only to what it sees, by contrast, firm faith listens to what Jesus says. Uh, That is, it rests its hope on the words of Jesus. In other words, the primary organ of faith, it turns out, isn't our eyes at all. It is our ears. Uh, Firm faith grows as we listen to the word of God. I I mean, we read this in Romans, don't we? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You see, it's only when we hear what Jesus says that we're reliably able to judge our experience. Uh, Firm faith always judges what it sees based on what it hears. Uh, Firm faith always judges what it sees based on on what it hears, on the uh, basis of what it hears from God, specifically. Uh, That's exactly what we see with this official, isn't it, in John chapter 4? I mean, His first request there is met with a stinging rebuke, but he isn't put off. He doubles down. Verse 49, uh, the official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Uh, And now it's at this point Jesus demonstrates that he is indeed God in the flesh. Remember, God is the one who created the world by simply speaking life into existence. And so Jesus says to him in verse 50, go, your son will live. Uh, But this is the pivotal moment, isn't it? Uh, This is the the test of faith for this royal official. Uh, His son is there miles away on his deathbed in Capernaum. And here is Jesus telling him to go home, uh, telling him, promising that his son will live. Uh, But Jesus, he could say, look, you need to come. My son needs to be touched by you. You have to come to Capernaum so that we can see you, so that we can experience you. Uh, But no, that's not what he does, is it? In fact, he demonstrates true faith, firm faith. Jesus says to him, your son will live. And then look at how the verse continues. Uh, The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Boom, that's it. That's faith right there. Firm faith doesn't look to what it sees. It listens to what Jesus says and it judges what it sees based on what it hears from Him. And listen, this is really, in some ways, the key. It is the heart of the Christian life. This is the very essence of the response that God is looking for from us. By definition, this is faith. What is faith, we could say? Well, faith is simply this it is taking God at his word. And we see this throughout the entire Bible, from the very beginning to the end. In fact, take Adam and Eve. This might seem like a strange example. But God created them. They lived not under sin at the start, but they lived in a perfect world. And yet, how were they meant to live in that perfect world that God made? I mean, well, we know in the midst of the garden there was a tree. And how do they respond to that tree? Was there a big sign on that tree that said, do not touch? Uh, was there something that looked different about the tree? Uh, was it somehow a, a self-evident truth that this is a tree that they shouldn't eat from? And no, in fact, based on Satan's words to Eve, quite the contrary. The tree was quite attractive. It, the fruit looked actually quite appetizing. And so how, how were they meant to understand uh, what they saw in God's world when they looked at this tree? Uh, well, it's very clear, isn't it? They judged what they saw based on what God had said to them. You may eat fruit from any tree, said God, but you shall not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day in which you eat of it, you shall surely die. And therefore, surely the big mistake, the big sin, was to live by sight and not by faith. It was to accept their own or perhaps better, Satan's interpretation of God-given reality. And the same is true of Abraham, isn't it, as we move on. Uh, did Abraham base his faith on what he saw? No, in fact, we're told he looked at his body and thought it was as good as dead. He was 100 years old. But God had said to him that he and Sarah would have a son. How is that even possible? Well, for Abraham to walk by faith was to believe what God had said, even though uh, what he saw implied the contrary. Uh, there's so many other examples we could give of this. There's, there's Gideon, there's David. All through the Bible, faith, true faith, firm faith means one thing. It means taking God at his word. That is to say, faith isn't believing something without proof. No, that's foolishness. It's delusion. Faith always rests on evidence. That we know for sure. But what is that evidence? Well, this is the evidence. It is the word of God. In fact, we could say faith looks at the whole picture. Faith looks at what it sees with its eyes, yes, but it also considers what it hears from God. And taking all of this together, it concludes, well, God has said it, and so I believe it. I mean, I think of a friend of mine. I've mentioned him before. Uh, He and his wife tragically lost their eight-year-old daughter. And now he was talking to an unbelieving friend of his, Uh, who was not a Christian, uh, but somebody who was, by nature, incredibly philosophical. Uh, Anyway, his friend was was curious about the hope that he had. Uh, For his daughter, it's kind of a biblical thing, asking him about the hope that he had. And and this is what my friend said. He said, do you want to know why I have hope? Uh, Do you want to know my epistemology as a Christian? Here is what he said. He said, this is my epistemology. Jesus made a promise, and I believe it. Jesus made a promise, and I believe it. Is that not the whole point of what we see in this man in John chapter 4? Jesus made a promise, and I believe it. That's the essence of true faith. That's the essence of firm faith. In many ways, that's what it means to be a Christian. Fragile faith looks only at what it sees. Firm faith listens to what Jesus says. It listens to it and includes, it concludes, Jesus made a promise, and so I believe in him. Uh, this is the only way to make it through those dark tunnels of life, is it not? Uh, as the psalmist says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Uh, judging what we see by what we hear. I mean, there's a huge encouragement here, isn't there? Do things in your life look crazy? Are you facing pain and suffering and confusion? Are you confronted with sin, your own sin, or perhaps the sin of someone else? If so, what does God say to you? He tells you that he loves you with all his heart and with all his soul. He tells you that if you trust in Christ, you are righteous in his sight. He tells you that he is working all of these things in your life together for good. He tells you that nothing can separate you from the love of God that is yours in Christ Jesus. And when you're struggling with guilt, he tells you this, if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. When you're struggling with shame, what does he say? He tells you that he bore your shame by hanging on the cross naked for you. He tells you that in Christ you're destined not for shame, but for glory. For whoever trusts in the Lord shall not be put to shame. And what about this? What about the pain that you feel because you are lonely? Well, God tells you he will never leave you or forsake you. He was always there with you, whether you can see him or feel him or not. He tells you that he's the one who sets lonely people in families, and that is what he will do for you. And what what about when you're suffering? What what do you do about that? Well, well, you know that Christ suffered for you. And when you're confused, and he wants you to know... uh, When you're confused, where do you turn? Well, he wants you to know that he is your pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. When you feel discouraged or depressed, he wants you to know that he will bless you and keep you and and lift up his countenance upon you. He wants you to know that he is a shield about us and a lifter of our head. But what about death? What about when we're confronted with that? Well, as we're confronted with our own death, or perhaps like this official, the death of a loved one, what does Jesus say? Well, actually, he says the same thing to us that he said to him. Your son shall live. You shall live. You shall live forever if you trust in me. In fact, this is the very promise that uh, my friend up there in Connecticut clings to, isn't it? Your daughter shall live eternal life. That's what he promised just a few verses earlier uh, to the Samaritan woman. And this is the promise that we can cling to if we trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, Judging what we see based on what we hear from God? Can you see the great comfort this is? Can you see how this allows our faith to grow firmer and firmer? In fact, we see this with this man in John 4, don't we? Seeing wasn't believing. Instead, we find for him, believing was seeing because of what he believed about Jesus Christ and the words he spoke, what did he see? Well, look at verse 51. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. And so he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And the father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household a firm faith in Jesus' word only led to firmer faith. Not actually faith just for him, but, but even for his entire family. And in the same way, as we take God at his word, what do we find? Well, we, we begin to experience his faithfulness and his mercy. Uh, we judge what we see based on what we hear from God. And so as we do, we find God's word to be faithful and true, and, and our faith grows stronger and stronger. What an encouragement this is as we face the ups and downs, the dark tunnels of life. But let's be honest, this is also a challenge for us, isn't it? In fact, just the other day at the conference I was mentioning, I I was getting lunch with a pastor, and I have to say, our whole uh, lunch could be uh, summarized perhaps in one word, and that word would be complaining. And now the problem is that very morning I'd been reading Philippians chapter 2 with one of you. And what we read in Philippians chapter 2, we discuss this first. do everything without grumbling or disputing. Was I judging what I saw by what I'd heard from God? No, basically, I was ignoring what God had said to me that very morning. And is this not a challenge to all of us? Uh, when we take the encouragement of his promises, we also need to strive to obey his commands. Uh, this is what firm faith looks like. Uh, this is what God calls each of us to this morning. And so let me return to where we started with that dark tunnel in the science center. And maybe that captures how you feel about your life this morning. If so, then, then how are you meant to respond to that? Uh, how do you live as a Christian as you're struggling to understand what is going on around you? We live by faith, not by sight. You see, fragile faith looks only to what it can see. But firm faith, firm faith listens to what Jesus says. And so so listen to what Jesus says to you this morning. He's calling you to take him at his word. He's inviting you to stake your life, not on what you can see or what you experience or what you sense to be true, but to stake your life on him and his promises and to believe the words of Jesus. And so go on your way. And so as we close, let's ask God to help us do that. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for this picture, this call uh, to take you at your word. Uh, Lord, we thank you that as we gather in the name of Christ, we, we, we're not faced with a God who says nothing, but a God who's told everything, uh, told us everything we need to know and revealed himself fully in the Lord Jesus, and so, Lord, we pray that you would uh, fill our hearts with a knowledge and understanding of your word, uh, and Lord, help us to believe your promises. Lord, for each one of us, no matter what we're facing in life, help us judge what we see based on what we hear. And we pray all of this in Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Well, as we come now to share and um, the Lord's Supper together, we—what um, are we doing? Well, this is the grace of God. God knows that we so often struggle to believe only what we hear. And so he's given us something. We can see uh, this bread and this wine. And through these things, God actually calls us not to just uh, eat the bread and drink the wine, but actually to look through these things uh, to rely on Jesus himself, to trust in what he has done for us. Uh, In these things, it's as if the Lord speaks to us in a way that we we can taste and touch, something that we can hold in our hands. But the purpose is not just to partake of these things, but to partake of the reality. And so if that is you, if you believe in Jesus Christ alone learn for salvation, then as you eat and drink, feed on Christ in your heart by faith and ask him to grow and strengthen your trust in his word. If that is not you, if perhaps you're here today as a visitor or if you're here as somebody who are not quite sure what you believe or whether you follow Christ, then then, uh, then don't partake of this outwardly if you don't partake of it inwardly. Uh, Feel okay, just let the plate pass. Uh, No one will judge you for that. Uh, but instead use this time to consider uh, what you've heard this morning. Uh, so if we can invite the uh, service to come on up, um, as they make their way up, let me lead us in prayer. Father God, we, we thank you so much uh, for your grace, uh, for your goodness to us. We thank you that you know that our, free, our faith is so often fragile, and so not only do you speak to us, but you give us uh, these, tangible, uh, these tangible symbols of your love and goodness to us. Lord, as we come to this, your table, we come not trusting in our righteousness as if there's anything good about us, but trusting only in your abundant mercy. Uh, We acknowledge that we're not even worthy to gather up the crumbs under your table. And yet we thank you that you're a God who who loves to show us mercy. And so we pray that you would help us strengthen our faith today, Uh, help us to take you at your word, Uh, help us to feed on Christ in our hearts with faith and with thanksgiving.